1: Hello everybody, it's Monica And I want to welcome you back to ARCs We've missed a few weeks And uh, I've been kind of antsy Because I didn't want to miss them But uh, Victor needed a rest So so here we are And um, so he is with me today Doing the geek stuff so,
0: Hello everybody
1: uh-huh. um, anyway, And I like
0: the way you blame me
1: I <laughs> The way I blame you (laughs) Well, I didn't say I needed a rest (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, what good is a man if you can't blame him
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true, isn't it?
1: See, Annabelle knows
0: Yes, she does
1: Um, But anyway, welcome everybody And um, like I said, glad to get back, to be back with you And um, I hope you like what you hear And uh, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, I'll give you all the contact information before I sign off. And
0: now we have an announcement. The fact that while you can listen to our podcast... You can also get the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday Podcast Which is separate from The main Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway Podcast
1: I was getting to that but thank you Well
0: no I just think And you should also Mm -hmm. at the end Talk about the dedicated email
1: Yeah Mm -hmm. I'm going to Um but anyway, like I said, I'll cover all the contact information at the end. I uh, just wanted to sort of tell you the different ways you could get us, and and as he says, we are doing separate podcasts for everything now. And um, so, the first program that I'm going to do for you, uh, and I'm, I'm and I'm kind of doing something new with my Sundays this, this year I'm, I'm as I go along I'm making it up like a Sunday so um I'll have the strawberry on top but I'll tell you what I'm putting on the bottom of it so on the bottom of my Sunday I'm gonna put a piece of white cake and the show that's going to Oh, with this piece of white cake Well, it has nothing to do with white cake But the one I'm putting with it Is Blackstone the Magic Detective And he's doing a show called The Riddle of the Talking Skull Folks, I've got to get back into this Uh, I've been off too long (laughs) (laughs) So, here we go
2: Magic Detective, starring the world's greatest magician, Blackstone. He tells you the inside story of... The Riddle of the Talking Skull. And right after the story, Blackstone will explain tricks that you yourself can perform. Reveal the guarded secrets of the world's greatest living magician. Now stand by for Blackstone, The Magic Detective. to Blackstone's Magic Studio. You know, Blackstone, every time I come to your magic studio, I see something different. You've got so darn many gadgets.
3: Sure, that's all the stuff he uses in his act.
2: That's right. It's taken me years to build up a magic collection like this one. Uh, Say, what's that little horror you've got perched on that shelf over there? That skull? I'm quite fond of that.
3: Well, I'm not. It gives me the creeps just to look at the darn thing. Ooh, it's so it's a ghoulish... Rhoda hates
2: me to work an act with that skull. She says it reminds her of the time it really talked. You say it... Talk? That sounds like a story.
3: Yeah, one I'd like to forget.
2: Oh, come on, Rhoda. I want to hear it. What happened, Blackstone? I'll tell you if Rhoda doesn't mind.
3: (laughs) Oh, well, I'm your stooge, Blackstone. Remember?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it all started after one of my shows. Rhoda and I were packing up the equipment when all of a sudden there was a knock on the door. Who the devil... Oh, well, come in. Hello, Blackstone. Nemo. I never expected to have you come backstage at one of my shows. It was a very good act tonight, Blackstone. Why,
4: thanks. I I have a better escape act than that one, though. Oh, Oh,
3: you have, have you? Oh, Miss
4: Brenda, (laughs) I didn't see you.
3: I do a mean disappearing act myself from time to time. And then, poof. I'm back. You do? Oh, yes. I come. I go. Well,
4: I came to see your employer, Mr. Blackstone, if you don't mind, Miss Brent.
3: Of course not. I can take a hint as well as the next girl. As I was saying, I come and I go.
4: <laughs> and what's on your mind, Nemo? Oh, that escape act of yours. So? What about it? I've got a better
2: one. What makes you think so? I
4: don't think. I know. I've come to make you a proposition, Blackstone. Well, what is it? Well, Mr. Blackstone, you're supposed to be the world's greatest musician. And I thought that if you'd be willing to try to escape from this cabinet of mine... You mind, want to see if
5: I can do it? Is
2: that it?
4: That's it. And frankly, I don't think I can. I think that I'm the only person who can get out of this particular cabinet. Well, it
2: sounds interesting. I'd like to take a crack at it.
4: If you fail, Blackstone, you realize, of course, that, that that makes me a better magician than you are. I'm willing to take a chance, Nemo.
3: Uh, Take a chance on what?
4: I want to see if Blackstone can escape from the cabinet that I've constructed.
3: Of course he can. He can escape from anything.
2: Ah, My press agent again. Well, shall we be on our way out to your place, Nemo? Well,
4: here we are. Now, we'll just go down these stairs here to my magic grotto. Magic
3: grotto? That sounds fancy. It is.
4: My whole magic workshop is hewn out of the solid rock under this land. Uh, Watch the stairs there, Miss Brent. Right.
6: Do I have to dig myself out of this cavern of yours,
4: Nemo? Well, an ordinary man might have to, but uh, you may be able to think of something cleverer than that. Uh, after all, you're a magician, as I am. Is he any
3: good as a magician, Blackstone?
2: Only fair, but he's such a nice old fellow. I like to human. Aren't we almost there yet,
3: Nemo? we go downstairs much farther, we'll hit China. Well, we're
4: practically there. Uh, Careful you don't trip on this step. And now, the light switch. My magic grotto. Well, you have quite a layout
3: here. I'll say you have.
4: Well, I think my magic equipment is one of the most complete collections in the world. And uh, i counting yours, of course.
2: But well, where's the cabinet, I suppose, not to be able to get out of
4: Well, it... It's not really a cabinet, Blackstone. It's it's more a cell. Here it is right over here.
3: Cut out
2: of solid rock like the rest of the grotto, isn't
4: it?
3: Except for those huge bronze doors. Ah, You think you can get out of there,
4: Blackstone? Mm, It'll be quite a trick. I can get out of there. I figured away It's Well, it's my life work, Blackstone. I've always wanted to figure out a cabinet that only I could get out of. Well, this will be the test.
7: May I
2: look around inside?
3: Go on inside. Golly, Max, Tom. Nobody could ever get out of here Well,
2: there must be some way Nemo says
3: there is oh. hey. hey, you shut us in hmm? Nemo, yeah. let us out Nemo What's that noise? It sounds like a, a hornet
2: Evidently these brass doors Have an electric clock of some kind
3: well, That means we can't pick it, doesn't it? Well do well, you think the old fellow's idea was locking us in like that? It's a
4: test, Blackstone. Look. I had to lock you in before you could look around. That's that's the only way it could be a
3: true test. Blackstone. Blackstone, look, uh-huh. that skull over there against the wall. It's talking. It's it's jaws a moving.
2: A very usual magician's trick, builder. You ought to know that. Nemo evidently has some sort of wire hooked to it so we can hear him talk. We couldn't hear a sound through these walls. Don't try to call me, Blackstone. Uh, these walls are too thick. I, I couldn't hear you.
3: I guess you were right, boss. What do we do now?
2: We tried to get out. Got any ideas?
3: You're the magician. I just work here. Look, I hate to bring up anything as everyday of breathing in a time like this, Blackstone. But this place is airtight.
2: That means we've got to hurry before we use up all the air in here.
3: We're getting off this stuffy already. Think fast, Blackstone.
2: Can't pick an electric lock. No hinges on the doors to lift off. No windows. You're
3: sure Nemo doesn't just want to get us out of the way so he can be the greatest magician in the world? Well,
2: of course not. He's just testing his cell, that's all.
3: Could be a sort of expensive test if we both end up dead or something.
2: Impossible to batter down the doors. Can't dig our way out through solid rock. I, I,
3: I can't breathe, Blackstone. I gotta get out of here.
2: Lie down, Rodan. Take very shallow breaths. It'll save the argument. The poor old fool. Trying to start like this.
4: Are you making out all right, Blackstone? Or am I the greatest escape artist in the world? About ten
3: minutes, and it then it will be. How Hurry, uh, I have it? Hurry. Are, are we out of here? the
2: skull. Hurry.
3: The talking skull? Yes. Why you, you can't break the door down with that. Uh, it's all not Stop the talk. But Hurry.
2: I found a way to get us out of here. Ah. How did you get out, Mr. Blackstone? I I don't get it. It was very simple once I got the combination.
3: Oh, yes, a mere nothing. A child could do it.
2: Do what? It was a skull, really. I knew from past experience that the jaws of the skull were operated by a very powerful magnet. So I took the magnet out and used it to pick the lock. Pick the lock with a magnet?
3: Using the magnet, he moved the tumblers of the lock through the brass door just the way a burglar would do it with a pick.
2: It was simple, really. It only took me a few seconds once I got started.
3: Poor old Nemo. He was so disappointed when he saw that door swing open.
2: And so another mystery was solved by magic. Tell me, Blackstone, do lots of magicians use talking skulls? Oh, quite a few. Could you tell me more about them? No. They're fairly complicated and a magician's secret. But here's a trick I will explain to you. What is it? It's a mental trick that anyone can do. Of course, it takes power of concentration. Uh, How good are you at concentration, Rhoda? Uh,
3: Good enough. You don't ask me to spell it. Well,
2: you will have to do some spelling. But none of the words are as difficult as concentration. Could you spell pencil, for instance, or cigarette? Of course. All right. Here's a pencil and a cigarette. Any more? Yes. Now a hat and a watch. uh, Your lipstick, thank you. Now an ashtray. Anything else? Suppose we put a book on the table, too. That makes uh, seven objects, doesn't it?
3: Pencil, cigarette, hat, watch, lipstick...
2: Ashtray and book. Yes, that makes sense. Now, Rhoda, I want you to concentrate upon one of those objects, but don't tell me what it is. I've taken one. Good. Now I want you to turn your back, and when I say go, you are to think of the first letter in the name of the object that you choose. Okay. Each time I say go, you are to add another letter, mentally, of course.
3: And what happens when I reach the last letter?
2: Then you say stop and turn around. Are you ready? Yep. All right. I'm touching an object on the table so we can start our spelling. Go. Do you touch an object each time? Yes. Go. And go. Go. Stop. I've stopped right where I am. What? What is it, Rhoda?
3: You're touching a book, and that's what I was thinking about.
2: You mean you were spelling the word book? Yeah. Clever, aren't I, Rhoda?
3: No, Uncanny. Well, think
2: it over a few minutes, my dear, and we'll try it again. Well, Rhoda, ready for another try?
3: I certainly am. I'll turn my back, and you can start.
2: All right. Go, go, go. Stop. Right here, Rhoda. I'm pointing to the hat.
3: <laughs> Well, that's what I was thinking of, all right.
2: Tell me, Blackstone, can't you ever miss... Not with this trick, and I'll show you why. You see, I point to any object the first two times I say go. But the third time, I point to the hat. Why the hat? Because it has three letters, Rhoda. So when you were spelling hat, your count ended with mine.
3: Well, well, that's right, so it did.
2: And for the fourth letter, I point to the book.
3: Because there are four letters in the word book. You hit that one, too.
2: And I can hit all the rest of them. After book comes watch with five letters.
3: Then pencil with six.
2: And ashtray with seven. Then lipstick with eight and cigarette with nine. You can't miss when you choose objects with a different number of letters. Hat, book, watch. Yeah, but suppose nobody has a watch. Then use a clock or a knife instead. Anything with five letters.
3: And for eight letters, you could could use a magazine instead of a lipstick. That's right.
2: For that matter, you can leave an object out and just touch anything on that number because it won't count. But there's one thing you must be careful about.
3: Never to have two objects with the same number of letters.
2: That's right. Make sure they're all different and keep count of the letters in each word. You will always end on the chosen object. I hope, ladies and gentlemen, you enjoyed that trick. And now, until next time, this is Blackstone saying good magic and goodbye. Next time, when the world's greatest magician, Blankstone, tells us the story of the Whispering Buddha and explains more tricks that you yourself can
8: perform, listen in again to Blankstone, the world's greatest living
5: magician.
1: Um, on top of this cake, um, you know, I had put some white cake down before, and on top of this cake, I'm going to put coconut ice cream, and the show that I'm going to put with this one is Dragnet, and it's called The Big Sorrow and so I thought you might enjoy some coconut ice cream on top of that cake because it might cheer you up after you listen to this one. It is so heart wrenching. Um, it's about Joe's partner, Joe Friday's partner, Ben Romero, and they have him dying of a heart attack because the real, uh, the person that played Ben Romero, died. So, um, they just let the character go too, which I'm glad they did because it just wouldn't have seemed right. Uh, Joe got another partner and that was, uh, I still missed old Ben, but you know, it, it was, I'm glad they didn't replace Ben with another Ben, but it's called The Big Sorrow and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did.
9: Ladies and gentlemen. of Fatima Cigarettes and the entire cast and crew and technicians of Dragnet respectfully dedicate tonight's program to the memory of Barton Yarbrough who created and portrayed the role of Sergeant Ben Romero.
5: The story
2: you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent.
5: Fatima cigarettes. Best of all, king-size cigarettes brings you dragnet.
2: You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. Two convicts escaped from a nearby state penitentiary in the early morning. According to reports, they're heading for your city. They're both armed. They're both dangerous. Your job, get them. Fatima, America's first, largest-selling blended cigarette. Now, king-size. See the difference.
5: Taste the difference. Smoke the difference. And in Fatima, the difference is quality.
2: Yes, you get all the advantages of extra length,
5: plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette has. Fatima quality that gives you extra mildness. A much different, much better flavor and aroma.
3: Definitely the best quality in its class. But the same price as a cigarette you're now smoking.
2: So compare Fatima yourself today. When you see the difference, taste the difference, smoke the difference, you'll switch to Fatima. Because in Fatima, the difference
5: is quality. Ask your dealer for Fatima in the bright, sunny yellow pack. Fatima. Dragnet is the story of your police force in
10: action.
5: It was Saturday, April
9: 24th. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero, The boss is Captain Didion. My name's Friday. It was five minutes past 8 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail. Good morning, Joe. Hi, Crowley. How's it working out? Any more word on the escape prisoner? Nothing this morning, no. Captain likes to see you, Joe. Okay. Ben, check in yet? Nope. No. Uh-huh. Getting a little late. Yes, he was held up, huh? Captain wants to see you right away. Some bad news, Joe. Oh, well, what's the matter? Maybe it'd be better if he told you. Oh, all right. Oh, morning, Joe. Hi. You want to see me? Yeah, good morning. in. Right. Sit down. Yeah. Got some bad news, Joe. Real bad. What's the matter? I know how much it means. I wish I didn't have to be the one to tell you. Well, tell me what. Sorry, Joe. It's about Ben. Something's happened. Ben? Well, what do you mean? We were notified about it early this morning. I thought about calling him. Figured it'd be better if I told you in person. Well, what's the matter, Ben, Say. He's dead, Joe. Ben's dead early this morning. What? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Heart attack happened a little after 6 o'clock this morning. No. Got out of bed, started dressing, go to work. Went downstairs, put a pot of coffee on make some toast. Wife heard him fall. She went downstairs and found him. Already dead. Went fast. Look, I don't get this. It couldn't be. Sorry, Joe. It means a lot to all of us. Yeah, well, I still don't get it. Ben didn't have any trouble with his heart. He never mentioned anything about it. Well, maybe that was the trouble. With his heart, All right. When his wife found him, she called the doctor and the fire department rescue squad. They worked over him for an hour. No use. And his wife called me. Not to tear your heart out. I can't believe it. What'd she say? Well, she didn't break up. Too shocked to realize it, I guess. Sounded apologetic. She said, I'm sorry, Captain. This is Mrs. Romero. Ben died this morning. I thought you ought to know. Ben's dead. Oh, that's terrible a lousy shame. Kept saying the same thing over again. I'm sorry Ben's dead. I thought you ought to know Ben's dead. Yeah. Joe Whitehead and I went out there right away tried to talk to her it wasn't much use. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. You were with him a long time. Yeah. 11 years. The day I came on the job they assigned me as his partner. You know, this is a tough one. It's hard to believe. Tougher on his wife? If it's all right with you, I'd like to go see her. All right. I wish I could give you the day off, Joe. I know what it means to you. The escape convicts thing, I just can't spare you. Yeah, that's all right. I just soon work. I figure I ought to talk to Amy, though. Might help to take the edge off it for maybe. I'll... Sure. Go ahead. Joe? Yeah. I know what it is. I've been on the job 19 years. Lost two partners. Good cops. One of them was killed in the line of duty. The other one worked at his job until he dropped. The same thing, Joe. Yeah. In my book, they both rate medals. I left the office and went down in the elevator alone. I got in the car and I started over for Ben's place. I thought about what I was going to say to his wife. I thought about his little boy. I thought about Ben. Eleven years I'd been working as a cop. And all of a sudden it wasn't the same anymore. I thought about the first day I met Ben. I was a rookie. I remembered what he taught me about being a cop. I thought about how much I owed him. I thought about the thousands of cops just like him all over the country. The ones that came before us. The ones that will take our place. I thought about their lives and their homes and their families, what they meant, what their jobs meant. I thought about Ben. Eleven years. Stakeouts, the early morning watch, interrogations, office duty. You could cover it in volumes or you could write it on the back of an envelope. He was a good cop and he was a good friend. There wasn't much else to say. It was a big loss. I stayed at Ben's house for about an hour talking to his wife. Joe Whitehead from the medical detail was there. All things considered, she seemed to be taking it fairly well. I told her I'd drop around later in the day, and then I checked back in at the office for work. Temporarily, Sergeant Ed Jacobs was assigned to work with me. The big problem at the moment was a pair of escaped convicts. Jacobs and I drove out to run down on a possible lead. 11.05 a.m., we got to the address listed, the Cathedral of St. Augustine. We checked in at the rectory, and then we went around to the church. Safe. You see the priest around anywhere, Ed? No. Oh,
7: yeah, someone over by the side altar there. Looks like the Padre. Eh? Yeah, come on. Eastern Hamlet. You're pretty, aren't you? Yeah, they sure are. It really takes me back. You'd never believe it, Joe.
9: What's that? There used to be a boy tenor. Or... Excuse me, please.
11: Yes?
9: Are you Father Newman? Yes,
11: that's right. Can I help you?
9: Police officers, Father. I see. This is my partner, Sergeant Jacobs. My name's Friday. Uh-huh. Oh, Housekeeper over at the
7: rectory told us we could find you here. Would like to talk to you for a few minutes if you got the time, Father.
11: Let's see. I have confessions starting at three o'clock. Leave me about ten minutes. What was it about, Sergeant?
9: Well, we're inquiring about a Stanley Blair, Father. We understand that you know him fairly well.
11: Oh, yes, I do. Matter of fact, I read about him in the paper this morning.
7: Trouble he's in.
11: Is that what you wanted to talk about?
7: Yes, sir, that's right. We're making a check of all his known friends, his relatives. Very unfortunate, isn't it? Did the
11: newspapers have the story correct?
7: Yes, sir, I'm afraid so. Hey, I wonder if we could step outside, Father. We could talk out there without disturbing anyone in church. Oh, surely, Sergeant. This way, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
11: Certainly a tragedy. I mean, happening at Easter time. I'll remember the boy in my mass tomorrow. Lord knows he can use yeah, some prayers.
9: Yes, sir, I guess he can.
11: Here we are. Bench there. If you care to sit down. No, sir, that's all right. The newspapers weren't too specific. How did he manage to escape the way he did? I
7: always thought state penitentiaries were well guarded. Well, apparently, Blair was one of the trusted prisoners. It's a minimum security prison to begin with, Father. Oh, I see. I suppose Blair and the man
11: he escaped with thought about it a good deal. According to the paper, it was well planned.
7: When did they get away? Last night? Uh, it was this morning. Prison officials figure about 2 a.m. They slugged a guard and went over the wall. Somehow the two of them got hold of a gun. Held up a motorist on the
9: highway and stole his car That's last report we had. Terrible. Do the police consider them dangerous? Well, they're armed, Father. Both of them were doing time for robbery. They've both used guns before. How about possible contacts he might have out of town, Father? Can you help us there at all? I'm afraid not, Sergeant. I think Stan knew some people in San Francisco... I don't know their names or addresses, though. I
11: haven't any idea.
9: Uh Uh-huh. And there's no special person or place that you know of that he'd be likely to go if he heads back for Los Angeles? No, none I can think of.
11: You imagine he'd be likely to come back here?
7: We're not sure. Last report we had seemed to indicate Blair and his partner were heading this way. Prison's only about 40 miles away. Could be there in the city now. I, I don't understand. I mean, with all the police looking for them,
9: why would they come back here? They probably figure they can find cover a lot easier than they could in some of the small towns. Uh, Sergeant. Yeah, Father. Uh, Do you think they'll have trouble taking Stan? I mean, can they take him alive? Well, we'll try our best to make it that way. It's like I told you, Father. He's got a gun. If he's cornered, there's a good chance he might try to shoot his way out.
11: gets discouraging sometimes. I try to help them. I pray for them. Young thieves. I only hope they're all as lucky as, as he was. How's that, sir? The grotto back there in the garden. figure of a man in it? Oh, yeah. The statue of Dismas, One of the luckiest men who ever lived. I like to tell fellas like Stan about him. I don't think I understand, Father. You know the story of the crucifixion? The two men who were crucified with Christ? They were both thieves. Mm-hmm. A few minutes before he died, one of the thieves turned to Christ on the cross, confessed his crimes, asked our Lord to remember him. Christ told him, this day you'll be with me in paradise. The man's name was Dismar. We like to call him the good thief.
9: Oh, yeah. Uh
11: Uh-huh. I told Stan about it right here in this courtyard. He should have remembered it.
9: Yeah, I guess so.
11: I told him you never give up hope. You can make the grade in the last five minutes of your life. Stan ought to know better. You ought to remember. Sir? The good thief. He made it with a prayer, not with a gun
9: in his hand. (laughs) Before we left Father Newman, we gave him our card and he gave us a list of eight names and addresses. People in the neighborhood who'd known the escaped convict Stanley Blair before he was sentenced to the state penitentiary to serve time on his robbery conviction. 3.15 p.m. We met with Sergeants Max Herman and J.E. Crowley from robbery detail. We divided the list of names in half and we began checking them out. Ed and I didn't have much luck on our end. Most of the people we talked to told us that they knew Stanley Blair, but none of them had seen, heard from him, or knew anything about his activities or his family since Blair had gone to prison two and a half years before. Stakeouts were set up at two of the hottest places. 5.20 p.m., Ed and I went back to the office. Crowley was waiting for us. No, no luck on r and the same thing. Last they heard of him was when he was set up. Yeah, I guess that finishes it. Any late reports at all? Yeah, was teletype in the sheriff's office It was waiting here when Max and I got back. Yes, our hunch was right. Looks like they headed this way. Well, how do you mean? Somebody spot them? Just this side of West Covina. Held up a grocery store, slugged the owner. Got $23.40. Not gonna take him far. Descriptions match out? Yeah, perfectly. Suspects believed to be two prisoners who escaped this day from the California institution for Mancino. Stanley R. Blair, Wesley A. Russell. There's something else. Yeah? The grocery store they knocked over, they picked up another gun, the owner's. Description and serial numbers on it here. Mm-hmm. Got 20 rounds of ammunition, too. Supplementary APB's already out on it. Well, how about a car? they switch over? Yeah, We don't know about it. Apparently, they're still using the Buick Coupe they took from that motors this morning. No reports on it, though. It's oh, a queer one. You'd think somebody'd spot it. They got the highway patrol working this? Highway patrol, sheriff's office, our department, everybody you can name. By the way, you had R and I pull their mug shots, didn't
7: you? Yeah, both of them, Blair and Russell. They're running off the duplicates now. 500 of them should be about ready. Pretty good shots? hmm Stand-up mugs, fairly recent. they made the last time we had the two of them through here.
9: How about that other list of their friends and relatives we pulled from their packages? Young and McCaleb were checking them out, weren't they? Probably still are. No word from them yet. How do you size the two of them, Joe? Blair and Russell? I don't know. It's a tough combination. Russell's older. He's got the experience. Blair's younger. He's got the nerve. Anyway, you figure it's not going to be easy. Guns and the ammunition they grabbed, they ain't going to help much either. I guess the roadblocks are up, huh? Highway Patrol take care of that. Yeah, all set, working now. All our special details have been alerted. Airports, bus depots, train terminals, just about everything covered. Robbery, Crowley, Yeah, Mac, how is it? Uh mm-hmm. huh. You'll stay on it, huh? Right. See you later, McCaleb, He and Young are still checking on friends of Russell. Some of the places he hung out. Any luck? Nothing yet. Did one of you see the captain
7: on the way in? No, he said he'd be over at the sheriff's office, didn't
9: he? Hot shot. I'll get it. Yeah. What is it? Clothing store out on North Fig, 211 and Slugging, is sure moving fast. Sam? You got it, Blair and Russell. 5.55 p.m. A supplementary broadcast and an all-points bulletin were gotten out immediately on the two escaped convicts. While Crowley and Herman stood by at the office, Ed Jacobs and I picked up duplicate mug shots of the suspects and drove out to the scene of the robbery, a men's clothing store near the intersection of North Figueroa and Merced. We showed a group of mug shots to the victim and two witnesses, and they definitely identified Blair and Russell as the hold-up men. The robbery had netted them less than $20. We relayed all the information we got back to communications immediately, and another supplementary broadcast was gotten out on the two fugitives. An hour later, at 7.05 p.m., Blair and Russell hit again, this time at a sporting goods store in the San Fernando Valley. It netted them ninety-four dollars a thirty thirty 30 hunting rifle, and 200 rounds of ammunition. According to the broadcast, they were last seen heading north through the valley in the Buick Coupe, the original escape car. 7.38 p.m., Ed Jacobs and I got a call to return to our station. We went back to the city hall. Got a
7: hunch, Joe. It's going to be a long
9: night. Yeah, it's a rough one. Guns and ammunition. If they want to make a stand, they're all ready for it.
7: Can't say how they can go too far in that hot car. Roadblock's set up. Somebody's bound to stop them.
9: Well, they're doing all right so
7: far. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah.
12: Friday, Jacobs?
7: Jack yeah, Captain.
9: You want us in here? Not for long. Keep your coats on. The rest of the men have already left. What's the latest? This. Yes. Communication from the Ventura Sheriff's Office. Blair and Russell were spotted just across the county line. Sheriff figures they got them boxed in. How close? A lot of territory, 20-square-mile circle. You say they got Blair and Russell tied down inside, and they're on foot. We're sending up men to help out. You're two of them.
7: 20-square miles going to take a lot of men.
9: Well, if we need more, we'll get them. It's no easy touch. They're desperate. You heard the latest? No, what's that? Last place they hit in the valley, they served notice they're not going to be taken alive, either one of them. Well, that's good sales talk. What do they got to back it up? Three guns and a load of ammunition. If we want to take them alive, they swear it'll cost us ten men. They'll kill five cops apiece. You any ideas? Yeah. Let's make liars out of them.
5: You are listening to Dragnet Authentic stories of your police force in action Fatima America's first largest selling blended cigarette Now king size See the difference Taste the difference Smoke the difference And in Fatima The difference is quality Yes, you get all the advantages of extra length, plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette has. You see, Fatima contains the finest domestic and Turkish tobaccos, superbly blended. And Fatima is extra mild,
2: with a much different, much better flavor and aroma.
3: Fatima, definitely the best quality in its class, but the same price as the cigarette you're now smoking.
5: No wonder more smokers now insist on king-size Fatima than ever before. Friends, try Fatima. Buy several packs. Compare them over the last weekend
2: of the old year. We're convinced you'll start the new year with Fatima. Yes, when you see the difference, taste the difference, smoke the difference, you'll switch to Fatima. Because in Fatima, the difference is quality. Buy Fatima. Best of all, king size cigarettes. <laughs>
9: Saturday, April 24th, 9 p.m. Along with Captain Didion and a dozen other men from robbery detail, Ed Jacobs and I left the office and headed north up through the San Fernando Valley. The area where the two escaped convicts were reportedly surrounded was just on the outskirts of Ventura County Line. On the way out, we stopped for a minute and I phoned Ben's house. His wife had been given a sedative and she was resting. Her folks were with it. 10.15 p.m. We arrived at the meeting point on the edge of the blockaded area from which the search was being directed. Communication facilities had been set up along with a field kitchen to feed the men taking part in the hunt. There were over 500 of them. From our office, the L.A. Sheriff's Department, the State Highway Patrol, the Ventura Sheriff's Department, and a couple of dozen private citizens who lived in the area. Together with Max Herman and Crowley, Ed Jacobs and I took up our position in the line of men that stretched north and east. Then north again, circling the entire area, twenty square miles of it. The line drew slowly inward. Twelve midnight, one a.m. No sign of the suspects. We stayed at it.
7: You get no idea the size of these hayfields till you start hiking them.
9: Yeah. Throw the light over there, will you, Ed? Irrigation ditch there. Right there. That it? Yeah. That's okay. It's a long hike. i not you like to see some of that hot coffee pretty soon? Yeah,
7: same here. Nice setup they got, huh? That field kitchen? Yeah. Hey, Joe! Joe Brady!
13: Yeah, Crawley. You got the riot gun, haven't you? Yeah, we got it. You want to send up another
12: flare? Towards the clump of trees. Over this way. Light it up good, huh?
13: Okay, Crawley.
14: About a
7: 45-degree angle, Joe. That ought to do it, huh? Yeah, okay. That ought to do it. Really lights it up, doesn't
9: it? Yeah. You got any extra magnesium shells there, Ed? Yeah. Let me get one for you here. Here you are. Thanks. There we go. Friday, that you? Yeah, Captain, over here. Uh, no use beating the brush here anymore. We're moving up three miles north. How come? Blair and Russell, they hit again, kidnapped an old couple from a farmhouse. They're still on foot? Yeah, as far as we know, they're hemmed in a two-square-mile area. They may try to break out, use the old couple for a shield. Well, where that leave us? I don't know. You think they'd harm the old couple? They kidnapped them. They're desperate. You figure it. One forty-five a.m. All of the men in the search party were shifted north to the area where the two escaped convicts and their kidnapped victims were last seen. Two officers were sent to each farmhouse in the immediate neighborhood to make sure that the suspects and their victims were not hid out or that they were being held as hostages. The officers were ordered to remain at the homes in the event that Blair and Russell might try to find cover. The searching party moved in slowly over the affected area. We knew for certain the suspects were still somewhere inside. 2.15 a.m. Still no sign of them. The lines drew in closer. 2.30 a.m.
7: Can't be much longer, that's sure.
9: Yeah, well, I can't
7: understand it. We
9: should have jumped them by now. It's only
7: a few hundred feet to go. There's the other line closing in toward us. wonder if they could have slipped through.
9: Beats me, Ed. Who's that coming? Can you see?
7: Yeah, it looks like Crowley. Yeah, uh-huh. That's him. Joe?
2: Ed? Yeah. Hiya. Over here. You got any word? They found the old couple tied up in an irrigation ditch half a mile south of here. They all
9: right? Yeah, they're okay. The old lady's far at Bad head one She was slugged. She and her husband have been taken to the hospital. How about Blair and Russell? No word. Just heard the captain ask for the car with a loudspeaker. He's over there now with Sheriff Durley. Well, they couldn't have gotten through the lines. they got to be around here somewhere.
5: Doesn't
7: figure we combed every foot of this neighborhood.
14: Attention, all officers.
15: Attention, all officers. This is Captain Dillian.
2: Return to your posts immediately. The search has been canceled.
15: The search has been canceled.
7: How about that? I don't know.
9: Come on, let's find out. There he is, just getting out of the car. Captain? Yeah? What's the matter? Are we giving it up? No, maybe we've been going at it backwards. We've been trying all night to jump them. Got a new idea. Yeah? Maybe we can make them jump us. 2.48 a.m. Captain Didion and Sheriff Durley ordered the men to return to the sheriff's office. With the exception of two deputy sheriffs, Captain Didion, Sheriff Durley, and Ed Jacobs and myself, the rest of the searching party vacated the area. The plan was to give the general impression that the search had been called off in the hope that it might bring the suspects out in the open. Because of the darkness and the early morning fog settling over the terrain, we knew that the odds were all against us. Captain Didion and Sheriff Durley decided instead to try and lure Blair and Russell from wherever they were hiding out. Each of the small farmhouses in the immediate neighborhood, eight of them in all, were already under surveillance. Each of the occupants were requested to park their cars in a conspicuous place outside their homes with the distributor heads removed. They were asked to turn all the lights off in their houses. In the event they heard anyone trying to start their cars, they would remain indoors. Ed Jacobs and I were assigned to cover two of the houses. The other men covered the rest of them. The two houses that Ed and I were assigned to cover were separated by about 500 yards. We staked out in between the two of them. We waited. 4 a.m., 4.30. Sure
7: cold, huh?
11: Yeah.
7: Fog goes right through you. We're gonna be getting light pretty soon. My joy just remembered. Yeah, what's that? Easter morning. Wonder how long this is gonna go. I promised to hide
9: Easter eggs for the kids today. yeah well, if it's going to break, it has to break soon. be daylight in a half hour or so, and they won't have a chance then. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute.
7: Farmhouse down on the left?
9: Yeah, sounds like it. Come on. Can you see the car? Wait a minute. Yeah, you cover the passenger side. I'll come up on the driver's right. side and watch it.
2: Joe, hustle. They're getting out of the car. All right, hold it up.
13: Police officers.
9: Watch it, Joe. Blair, Russell, you haven't got a chance. Throw down the guns. All right, Ed, let's give it back. All right, don't shoot, don't shoot. Throw
13: out the guns. Come toward us with your hands open.
12: Don't shoot, West. Do what they say. Come on out. Don't shoot, West.
7: All right, come on. Keep coming. That's far enough.
9: All right, cover him, Ed. I'll shake him down. Yeah, no break here. Look out, Joe! All right. You want to throw the cups on him? Yeah, right. I'll go get the car. You want to keep him covered, Ben? Excuse me, Ed. Ed, I mean. It's all right.
7: Too bad he wasn't here tonight. How can you tell for sure?
5: The story you have just heard was true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On July 16th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 88, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. And now here is our star, Jack Webb.
2: Thank you,
9: George Fenneman. Friends, we all hope that you enjoyed listening to Dragnet in 1951. We all like to think that you'll be with us during the new year. On our part, we hope to do two things to bring you the kind of entertainment you want, and to introduce you to Fatima. Fatima, America's first largest-selling blended cigarette, now king-size. And believe me, it's the best of all king-size cigarettes. So next time, buy a pack of Fatimas. Compare them yourself. When you see the difference, taste the difference, and then smoke that difference, I'm convinced that you'll switch to Fatima. Because in Fatima, the difference... Is quality.
5: Stanley Blair and Wesley Russell were tried and convicted on three counts of first degree robbery and one count of kidnapping. They received sentences as prescribed by law. First degree robbery is punishable by imprisonment from five years to life, kidnapping is punishable by imprisonment for not less than one nor more than twenty years. One count of escape is still pending. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Heard tonight were Barney Phillips and Vic Perrin. Script by Jim Moser. Music by Walter Schumann. Hell, give me speaking. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all, king size cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet.
1: For my Sunday, I'm going to throw some pineapple on top of that coconut ice cream. And uh, what does that have to do with FBI and Peace and War? It has nothing to do with it, but it helps the Sunday. And um, I love all kinds of junk on my Sundays. So FBI and Peace and War, about four or five weeks ago when I put this up, I knew what it was about. But now I can't remember. It's called Crack Up. and But I love FBI and Peace and War. And I want you to love it too. Maybe you will, maybe you won't.
12: We bring you the FBI in peace and war. But first, partly transcribed, what should you do do? Don't miss Dream's big one cent sale. What, what should you do do? Do go to your store today. You'll get a regular twenty-five cent size bottle of new Dream shampoo for just one cent when you buy another twenty-five cent size bottle at regular price. Now, friends, this one-cent sale is your chance to discover new Dream, the shampoo that conditions your hair as it cleans, conditions it to natural softness and sheen. So don't just wash your hair. Condition it with new dreams. What should you do? do? Condition your hair with green shampoo. Oh. Take advantage of dreams, one-cent sale. The offer is limited, so get new Dream today. The FBI in peace and war, brought to you by Lava Soap. Nothing on earth cleans dirty hands faster, cleaner, yet more gently than amazing Lava Soap. That's L-A-V-A. 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 Now, another great story based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. Drama, thrills, action. Tonight's story The Crack Up. i am move or i shoot. Hey, Joe Harry. Brought you a cup of coffee. Oh, you. Why didn't you say so? Why do you have to creep up on a guy like that? What time is it? 10 30, Joe. Want me to pull up the shade? Nice morning. Never mind the shade. Just give me the coffee. Here you are. All right, all right. I said, give it to me. Your hands shake? Nothing shaking. Give me the coffee. What are you standing there for, Peter? Go on, get out of here. What's the matter with him? I don't know. He must have thought I was a cop or something. Uh Uh-huh. Nicky was shaking like a leaf. He couldn't hardly hold a coffee cup. Yeah, I know. I don't like it. I never saw him like this before. You didn't look close. It was that way before we pulled this job. That's why we lost it up. Uh, no, Nick, I don't think... That's why we lost up the job, I'm telling you. Well, it's just bad luck. Bad he lost nothing. He was supposed to lay out a getaway, wasn't he? You thought he had it all fixed. Stella thought so. Charlie Lopez thought so. His memory's slipping, that's what he doesn't think about anything but himself. Want well,
15: to point a hand at Jim?
12: Lord, no, thanks. I think you had that radio on two minutes ago. Let it alone. But I thought maybe... Will you start jumping? You're getting as bad as him. I'm sorry. I only... Thought... Well, done. Charlie and Stella will get here all right. It's been 48 hours, Nick. All right, all right, got to lay low, that's all. The cops are watching all of these back roads. They'll turn up. All right. Sit down. Read the comics or something. i will feel like reading. Nick, you think he'll snap out of this? No. But maybe if he laid off the bottle like he, he... hasn't t- touched a drink in six months. He just tells you he's been drinking to cover up that shaker. Yeah, but maybe he's flipping, Harry. I've been watching him a long time. His nerve is shot. He doesn't think straight anymore. Well, what... What are we going to do about it, Nick? I don't know. We'll wait till Charlie and Stella get here. Think we ought to call that Carson? The doc couldn't fix what Joe's got. Nobody could fix that. We'll wait till Charlie and Stella get here. Then we'll figure out what to do. wall states to FBI requests continuation of search parties, wooded areas, vicinity of Hartsdale. Hold up mob, believes separated after abandonment of getaway cars. Repeat description of four men, one woman, as follows. Yeah, who is? Open up, Harry. It's me and Stella. Harry, it's me. Tell you the affairs up in Creek. Then what happened, Charlie? Well, after we see the state troopers' car pull up in the yard, we duck out of the barn plenty fast. a drink, Stella? Yeah, I could use one. And? And after that, we stay in the woods all the time.
16: Don't ask him how we got here. We don't know. No
12: road map, nothing to eat. Every town loaded with state troopers. Believe me, this time yesterday, I figured two very dead pigeons. it hadn't been for Stella's got a bottle of chocolate in our purse. oh Charlie. Oh, Stella. See, so you two made it, all right? Yeah, we made it, Joe. No thanks to you. Larry takes Bella out in the kitchen, fix some coffee. She looks kind of beat.
16: Never mind the coffee. I'll drink this.
12: That stuff's no good for you. Did you. get rid of the uniforms like I told you, Charlie? No, I
16: gave them to a couple of hungry
12: cops. I'm asking an important question, Joe. Who are you to ask anybody questions? You got to know that. We got rid of the uniforms. Oh. Let go of me, Joe. I don't want trouble. Let go, Joe. Joe...
16: Go on, answer him, Charlie.
12: Yeah, we got rid of the uniform. Okay. So as soon as the heat dies down, I'll get in touch with Sid Gorgman. We'll get out of this place. So the way I figure, Maybe we had enough of your kind of figuring, Joe. Charlie, lay off No, no, me? let him go ahead. Say your piece, Charlie. Pour the drink, will you, Nick? Say it, Charlie. Ah, forget I'm it. I'm running this organization. I'm giving the orders. Nobody works with me. It's going to beat behind my back. I go for all of you. All right, Charlie, speak up. I'm tired, Joe. i got to get a long sleeve. Then we'll talk. All right. Anybody else got anything to say? Well, tell me what's left in that bottle, Harry. I'll be in my room. Hey, you see him? He was shaking all over. Yeah, we see him.
16: It's getting worse, huh, Nick?
12: Every day. You oughtn't to talk back to him, Charlie. It just stirs him up, does huh? Sure. You keep that up, and someday it comes to a showdown. It could. Okay. Maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe we need a new kind of brains to get us out of here. Maybe a showdown is a very good idea. A spot like this. Okay, they please, Chief on speaking. Chief, uh,
17: Stevens and Kovac reporting in. We're calling from the Hartsdale Drugstore. A couple of kids down here just
12: found three bank guard uniforms under a culvert on the Lime Hill Passway. Okay, Stevens, you and Kovac, come on in. Three uniforms, huh? Yeah. Now, come in right away. And good work, Stevens. This looks real hot. Yeah? Oh, come in, Stevens. I just want to ask you one more question on those bank guard uniforms. You've met Agent Shepard and Agent Bailey of the FBI? And... Oh, yes, sir. Hello, Mr. Shepard Mr. Bailey. How's it going? Still knocking our brains out, Sergeant. Tough case, all right. You're not telling us. Sergeant. Yeah, Chief? We've all looked over the uniforms, and we're sure they were the ones used in on the holdup. What we want now is the exact spot they were found. Uh, you mark it for us on this map? Uh, yes, sir. Well, let's see. It's this spot here, and the river goes under the pathway. Mm-hmm. Kids were playing around the bridge here, and they found the uniforms underneath. Okay, Stevens, that's all we wanted to know. Thanks a lot. You think, Chief. I guess we'll be seeing you gentlemen around a while. We're afraid so, Sergeant. I'll be in the squad room if you need me, Chief. Yeah. All right, Mr. Shepard. There's your spot. Now, how do you want to move from here? Well, let's look at it this way, Chief. They abandoned their car at this point on Friday. Uh
10: Uh-huh.
12: Now, as far as we know, they didn't commandeer another car. Yeah. I think it's a safe guess that they split up at this point, since five of them would obviously be conspicuous. That's right. Now we find the uniforms in this location 48 hours later. If our net hasn't any holes in it, they're still within this area here. All right. We've checked every restaurant, every bar, every hotel. We've checked grocery stores. If they're still out in the woods, they're pretty hungry by now. But if they're not in the woods, we might assume for the moment that they have a prearranged hideout somewhere in this 30-mile circle. If there were such a hideout, it might explain how... The way I uh, work it out on, uh, on this map. This map, uh, Sid, Sid Gorman comes up here with the funeral coach. Cops, cops never look inside a funeral coach. <laughs> Charlie, where are you going? You better take five, Joe. You're not making much time Sit down, Charlie. Coming, Nick. Yeah. Relax a couple of minutes, Joe. You're knocking yourself out. Charlie. Yeah? You don't like my idea. Yeah. Joe. That funeral coach routine was hot stuff back in 1929. Cops are smarter now. You gotta do better than that, Joe. Much better. Come on. You.
16: Go ahead, Joe. I'm
12: listening. I've lost that two bit blowhard. I kicked him out of the gut and taught may him maybe trick out. It, Joe. Here. I'll
16: finish the matter. Crummy little
12: puck. As soon as we get to Kansas City, I'm going to have him straightened out for good. I got connections in Kansas Joe, City. Joe, we're
16: not going to Kansas City. Huh? Kansas City was five years ago, remember?
12: Who said anything about Kansas City? What I meant was... What... Oh. What's the matter, Joe? Uh, not, 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 not at all. I, I, I got a... I got The rods in my head. A couple of hours to will be all right. Oh, okay, here, uh, let me see No, 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 don't, don't go for a minute, Joe. No. My... It's going round. Give me your hand, Stella, quick. Sure, let it, it, let give me your hand, it. let it. I'll, I'll be all right. Stella. That can okay. Just a minute. Just, it'll be all right. Look, well, I'll get No, go no, 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 it's clear. Just a second. Just a second it'll go. <laughs> Just a second, Stella. Well, the ratchet. That's all. The dog, the he says nothing happens to lots of guys in my head. Yeah, I'm I'm am right. Now. Sure you are, Joe. But maybe I'd better
16: just get it. you still working on the map, Joe. Maybe beat I Peter, I am talking with Stella. Go on, Peter. Huh? get out and talk to Stella.
12: Yeah. Sure, Joe. You call me when you're ready, huh? Yeah, 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 I'll call you. Stella. Yeah. Stella, I I wouldn't want the rest of them know, but but this mirage. Mm-hmm. see, they they need me, still. Oh. I, I wouldn't want them to get new wrong ideas, you know what I mean? Oh
16: yes, Joe, yes, I know. Yeah, I know. They
12: they depend on me, Stella. If they support... You
16: don't have to explain it, Joe. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs>
2: Back to the crack up in just a moment, but first listen. LA That's Lava, the amazing super speed soap for dirty hands. In thirty to fifty seconds, Lava gets the dirt that ordinary wash-ups miss. Of all eating soaps, only Lava has this unique double action.
12: First, in every inch of lava's snowy lather, fifty thousand tiny scrubbers
2: swiftly route out deep ground in dirt from around knuckles, fingernails, and skin crevices. Dirt Ordinary wash-ups miss. Second, lava is amazingly
12: gentle. Lava contains the same soothing ingredient as in costly hand lotions. And that's
2: why no ordinary soap can match lava for quick, thorough wash Mrs. Barrett of Lansing, Michigan, an electrician's wife, says, Lava saves towels,
16: too. When my husband washes with lava, dirt, grease, and oil are
12: offhand down the drain. No more smudged towels in my house. So ladies, for yourself, dad, and the children, get the soap that gets the dirt. Get lava soap tomorrow. Remember, L-A-B-A, 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 L-A-B-A.
2: Now back to the FBI in peace and war, and tonight's story, The Crack-Up.
12: Well yeah. I wouldn't want the rest of them to know about this morality. They they need me, so I, I wouldn't want them to get any wrong ideas.
16: What the man says
12: he's got. I'll tell you what he's got. You want another drink, Nick?
9: Yeah, a short one.
12: A yellow streak, that's what. Right up the middle of his back. Sort of? Mm-hmm. You're crazy, Charlie. Just because the guy's a little sick, you... Nick. Was he sick on the Ridgefield job? How about the time in L.A.? He was sick then, too? Listen. Stay through, Harry. Why kid yourself? You said baby would come to a showdown. I say this is the time. No. What? I mean... Well, you know what, Joe's like a thing like this it could kill him. What's the matter with you, Harry? You're going soft in the head? What'll it be? Him or the lot of us getting out of here with old skin? Yeah, I know, but... What? You heard his plan. We ever tried to leave this place in a funeral coach, we'd be needing one ourselves. And I say we settle this thing once and for all. Well, maybe Nick and Stella feel a little different about that. So maybe you better ask them and find out. Go on. Ah. Nick? Charlie's right, Harry. You can't argue with Of course you can Tell him, what about you? Joe picked you up out of the gutter and... Charlie.
16: Joe's through like he said. He's
12: been through for a long time, kid, only didn't know it. He's cracking up. We can't take a chance with him anymore. What's the matter now? Nothing. Harry! It's nothing, I tell you. Leave him alone, Charlie. Everyone says Joe's through, he's through. Just show us how we're going to get out of here, Charlie. Okay. Put up a chair, all of you. I'll show you how. Adam's and look, this is Chief Palmer. Hello, Chief. What can I do for you? Look, I just sent two FBI agents over to your store. They'll be there any minute. I want to talk to you about that horny you reported out at the Wilson farm. Give me any help you can, will you? FBI, huh? Be glad to, Chief. Yes, sir. Be real glad. Well, we're very grateful to you, Mr. Adams. That it's all, son. Why, when Chief Palmer told me you was from the FBI, said I'd help him, be glad to do it. Uh, you fellas hungry, maybe? Got some ripe store cheese here. Ah, no, Uh, thanks, Mr. Adams. We'd just like to ask you one or two questions about that report of yours on the Wilson farm. Well, you can go right ahead and ask. I'll tell you, I had plenty of experiences with this sort of thing eight years ago. Folks used to come here to the store, buy up everything in sight. So naturally, when the same thing began to happen again last couple of weeks, I put two and two together. And you know what I figured the answer to be? Mr. Adams... Hoarding. Yes, sir, that's what I figured. Everybody knows there's only one person living out the Wilson farm. Why should I get orders that would feed five or six? Well, I'll uh, tell you why, Hoarding. Hoarding it is. And, uh, Hoarding is what I reported to the chief. (laughs) So, uh, I do say I never expected such quick results out of Washington. This, uh, hoarding, Mr. Adams, that's what we want to ask you about. Well, go right ahead and ask. I tell you, this left up to me... Mr. Adams. Huh? We don't believe that it's hoarding, Mr. Adams. you don't? Uh, son, uh, how long you been with the FBI? Twelve years. Twelve years. One person out the farm, enough orders to feed five or six scarce items. Butter, sugar, coffee. Well, is that holding or ain't it? We don't believe so. <laughs> oh, by golly, I'm glad we got law and order of our own around here. Uh, Mr. Adams, uh? Uh-huh. We believe it's the Joe Norton gang. The the Norton gang. The boys that held up the first national bank. Oh, them. <laughs> You fellas sure like to take a shot in the dark, don't you? Sometimes. How do we get out there, Mr. Adams? uh, Wilson, please? Uh Uh-huh. Be glad to tell you. But uh, all you're going to find there is one little hoarder. Maybe, but we'll go anyhow. As you say, we fellas like to take a shot in the dark. Okay, Harry, let's take a look at that target, huh? Joe, listen. My hand was steady, wasn't it? Didn't shake, did it? Look at that. Look at it. Three of them, right through the middle. Is that shooting? Joe. Steady as a rock, that's what right. I'm just as good as I ever was. Huh? Oh, will you for the love of Mike? Stop talking and listen. Huh? Oh, sure. Sure, I am listening. Joe, it's about Charlie Lopez. Any others got together last Lopez. night? And... I taught him every trick he knows. Joe! What? What, Eddie? I want you to listen to me, Joe. I want you to listen. Careful. Yeah, yeah, I'm listening. Right. They're going to leave you here, Joe. Charlie, Lopez, and the others. That's Lopez. Now, I'm going to have him straightened out as soon as we get to Kansas. City... Joe, you're not getting any place. Don't you understand? i got to leave you. What? What's that? I had to tell you, Joe. I just had to. Leave me? Who's going to leave me? You're lying. No, no, yeah, no, no. Nobody's <laughs> leaving me unless I say it for oh, No, That's the truth, Joe. I swear I wish it wasn't. You're lying. You're trying to trick me. They sent you up here. Go sure. ah. Oh, what's the matter? Nothing, nothing, nothing. You're safe, Joe. Nothing. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Oh, What are you standing there for? Get out, Joe. Get out! Sorry, Harry, Harry. Yes? Yeah. Don't, don't go, Harry. Sure, Joe. It's are Kill me, hey, Harry. I know. You're a good friend. I always knew it. Go upstairs. Try to get some red Joe sleeping with me. No, no, Harry. Listen. Yeah. Harry. Harry, what are they going to do to me? They're going to get rid of me, aren't they? That, that Lopez, he hates me. No, That fellow, too. And after all, I've been to her. Joe. You won't let them know, will you? Not you, Harry. You're, you're my friend. No, right? they're not going to do anything. They're leaving you here. That's all. With your share of the split. Nobody's leaving me, Harry. Not alive, they're not. What? Well, nobody is. I'm the brains of this outfit. Nobody walks out on big jobs. Stop talking that way. I mean it, Harry. You'll see if I don't. Anybody wants to walk out, they can try it. I let him leave, Harry. I let him leave with a belly full of holes. You'll see if I don't. right, chef. Hello, oh, Anybody try to leave the house yet? Not yet. Your men already? uh huh. The place is covered from every angle. What about Chief Palmer? Pick him up on the radio phone. He should be here any minute. Good. We'll wait. Anybody get here? I don't know yet, Frank. We could answer that a lot better if we only knew what was going on inside that house. Okay, I'll... I'll say it the last time so everybody gets to sleep. As soon as it dies... Nick gets out of the car and drives over to Nate Weaver. Mm-hmm. At Nate, he arranges for the fourth bottom truck. Nate can drive it himself and clean. As soon as the truck's back here, we pile in the bottom, and all Nate has to do is to cross the state line. Everybody got that straight? Yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Harry, you got it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie, I got it. Okay. As soon as it starts, we get started. Mm-hmm. Sarah, go on and bring Joe down here. We all want to say goodbye. And here's your shed of the split, Joe. Spend it careful, it should last you. Anything I left out?
16: Nothing, Charlie, except maybe so long.
12: Yeah. Bye, Joe. Uh else? Okay. Harry. Tell him I'm ready. You stay here, sir. Stay what? here. Charlie. You know what you can do with this split? Keep away from me, Joe. I'll tell you, Charlie. Here's what you can do. <laughs> Joe, I'm running this organization. I'm giving the orders to get that me. Joe not Stop. Take your hands off me, Joe. I told you I don't want trouble. Nobody walks out on me. That goes for all of you. Take your hands off me. Joe. I'm warning you. Lay one finger on me again, and I'm going to kill you. What? I mean it, Joe. Hey. Hey, Charlie, come off it. What's the idea of talking that way? I'm warning you, that's all. Nick, you're going to let him talk that way? Nick? Stella? What's the matter with you two? That's true, Joe. We don't want any part of you. Nick? Nicky, boy, dry up, Joe. Charlie, take me with you. No. Let me go with you, Charlie. The cops will get me sure if I stay around here. I'm sick, Charlie. Charlie, you got to take me with you.
16: We're wasting time, Charlie.
12: You you, you can't leave me here. Why not? You know how to take care of yourselves. You've told us so often enough. All right. All right, go. Harley, go on. See how far you get with Lopez, Charlie. Go on, go. They'll have you six feet under and nothing flat. Charlie. You keep out of this, Harry. The cops are outside, Charlie. The cops. They're crawling all over the place. Harry, if this is a joke. I'm telling you, Charlie, go see for yourself. Uh, Charlie. They're out there, all right. Oh, no. squatter, the baby boy. What do we do, Charlie? I don't know. Let me see. We gotta get out of here. I said, let me see. Sure, let him. Let him use that stupid brain. Shut, Shut up. What say to think about? Yeah, we'll shoot our way, uh, Charlie. We don't need a thinker now. We need a leader, right, South? So, Joe what? Norton, right? Huh? All of you in there. The house is entirely surrounded. This is an FBI agent speaking. FBI, I told you, Charlie. Shut up. You have exactly one minute before we open fire. Come out with your hands up. Charlie. What do we do? Yes, tell you, blow. I don't tell you, just let him see. Shut up, shut up. One minute, all of you. Charlie! What will we do? What can we do? They got us coming and going. What? We're going out, Charlie. You got any better ideas? Why, you yellow punk, you bet we have. We're going to shoot our way out. Listen to When a few lousy cops Here, the Norton gang? We'll shoot our way out. That's what we're going to do. Get it, George. The FBI out there. We to... can do it. We can do it. And huh, Nick, no cop's going to stop us. No, Nobody... Nobody can stop us. we are done. That'll be like old times. Tell you take that window. Nick, the door. Stop him. John. I'll get you out of this. Don't you worry me. Joe Norton. Come on. Come on, everybody. Take your post. Jerry, Jerry, remember how it was in the middle of that cellar, remember? Look at it again, I'll fix it up. 30 seconds, Norton. You keep quiet, I kept the artist around here. Come on, on. stay where you are, Joe. Don't move, Joe. Don't move or I'll drop you, so help me. What? We we gotta get to old Charlie. Yeah, we can take him. Come on, we can. Come Joe! Joe! All of you! This is your last warning. Are you coming up? All right! Don't shoot! Don't shoot! They're coming out! The surrender of the Joe Norton gang put an end to one of the most daring hold-up mobs in the FBI files. On recovery from the gunshot wound inflicted by Charlie Lopez... Norton was placed in a mental hospital suffering a complete breakdown. Lopez and the other members of the gang stood trial and were sentenced to long terms in prison. With the individual disposition of their cases, the books were closed on a getaway that failed because of the (laughs) crack-up. Characters used in this partly transcribed program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This program is based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War, and is not an official program of the FBI. Harry Haynes played the part of Joe Norton. Joe DeSantis was Charlie Lopez. The radio dramatizations for The FBI in Peace and War were written by Louis Pelletier and Jack Fink with music under the supervision of Vladimir Selinsky. These programs are produced and directed by Betty Mandeville. And now this is Len Sterling saying goodnight for Lava Soap. That's L-A-V-A. L-A-V-A, 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 L-A-V-A. White washes without red hands. The swing is back to does.
16: Yes, for white white washes without red hands, I'm going back to
12: does. How about you? Are your hands suffering from one of those no rinse chemicals on wash day? Then change to does. See what it means to get white white washes without red hands. Does can promise this because only does of all leading wash day products contains such great quantities of rich real soap combined with two active detergents. That's why it does get clothes so beautifully white and clean, while it gives extra safety to colors and wonderful mildness on hand. Does does everything. For white, white washes
16: without red hands change to does.
12: Again, we want to remind you to be sure to listen to next Thursday's story, The One-Way Ticket, on the FBI in Peace and War, same time, same station. So this program is transcribed. <laughs> This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, KNX, Los Angeles.
1: Now for my Sunday, I'm going to throw on top of that pineapple some Neapolitan ice cream, and for those of you who might not know what Neapolitan is, uh, it is, um where they mix chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla together in one carton. And so we're going to stick that on there. And then we're going to do Ellery Queen. And this Sunday is getting so much better that all these people, they may come back to life and join us and have some Sunday. But the name of it is called The Singing Rat, and I loved this one.
6: (laughs) Romo Seltzer presents The Adventures of Valerie Queen. the makers of Bromo Seltzer bring you another thrilling adventure with Ellery Queen, the celebrated
2: gentleman detective in person. Ellery Queen again gives you a chance to match wit with him as he relates a new story of a crime he alone unraveled. And then, at the point where he was able to solve
6: the mystery, he stops the play, gives you a chance to guess the criminal's name. In the studio tonight, we have as our guests Miss Anne Corio, glamorous screen and stage star, and Mr. Alfred D. McKelvey, prominent eastern manufacturer. Miss Corio and Mister McKelvey have accepted Ellery Queen's challenge to solve the mystery before the solution is revealed. And now, Ellery Queen, master detective, and your host for the next half hour.
2: Thank you, Ernest Chapel, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's story concerns the adventures Nikki and I had when a stool pigeon gave us incriminating evidence against Musso the Moose. I call it the Adventure of the Singing Rat. <laughs>
17: Yeah, really. Look who's paying a visit to headquarters. The singing rat. The
12: singing rat? Yeah, show him envy. Always glad to see the rat.
17: Enter, Sir
12: Roden. Yes, Sergeant. Yeah. Really shut that door and keep it shut. All right. What's your song today, Rat? Listen, Inspector, I got something big, see? Nobody can hear me, huh?
17: The rat's a little shaky, Inspector. He's got something for us. On
12: Musa. On Musa? What is it, Rat? Sing. Listen, Inspector Queen. I can tell you how to get the moose, but good, see? Who showed the moose? Well, yeah. But you got to give me protection, Inspector. Put me in stir until this blows over.
17: Come on, come on, Rod. What do you got? Tonight, see? 12 sharp.
12: The moose will be in a parked car at the northwest corner of Broadway and Basie Street. All you got to do, Inspector, is to hook what he's got in the upper right-hand pocket of his vest. I'll show that dirty. Beanie ain't me be around, huh? Put the singing rat in the cell. Book him on some charge. Make it look legitimate. Suspicion
17: of petty larceny, and that's no
12: lie. Orders, inspector. Three men here at eleven thirty. Absolute secrecy. There mustn't be a leak. Maybe what's in that mobster's vest pocket is the evidence I've been looking for for five years. <laughs>
17: Show up, Moose. I
2: don't like sitting in this parked car. Oh. <laughs> you be like a me, Guy, Big businessman. Soft, nice, easy, relaxed. Yeah, Moose, yeah. But why do we gotta meet his nibs on street corners? We're wide open. Cagai, you don't understand. That's the way you're a punk and I'm a moose of the moose. He's important man. Sure, I can make them come up to the apartment like last week, but He's taking a chance. He's somebody. He sees him. Hey, Moosey. He, huh? like the black sedan. It's the cop. Cop. Now, keep your
17: pants on, yeah. cock You're much the car. Step still. no. Don't start nothing. I got him called the Sergeant. Flint. the line on him. All right. Step out, Moose. You too, Max. Reach for a ride and you'll be angel food before you hit the sidewalk. Well, come on. Hello, Sergeant. You saw so about something. Sure we come out. Good evening, oh, he's my old friend, Inspector Queen. Neither of them's healed,
12: Inspector. Inspector, every time you pull in the
17: moose, you gotta let me
12: go again. Ain't you no know, getting the tired. Hold your own time, Moose. Stand hmm? still and you won't be hurt. Vince, throw that submachine gun to his back so he won't get ambitious. Archer? Uh, do hey, you not, Inspector? What's the, the idea? All right, Billy, put your hand in the upper right pocket of his vest and take out whatever's in there. My vest. You don't do that. One of my mouthpiece. All right. Take your hands
17: out of my vest. Let me go Please. Please. three. Somebody she's a sweet. I find out who. He's a dead man. I kill him. I kill him.
2: And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the beginning of our mystery. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you more. But first, Ernest Chappell. Friends, you like to save money, don't you? And you like fast relief from a common sick headache? <laughs> of course. But what's saving money got to do with that? Ah, uh, plenty. So listen closely. Right now at your drugstore, you can get the large 60 cents size bottle of Seltzer for only 39 cents. Now, any way you figure it, that's a saving of 20% or more. And talk about quick, effective relief. Uh, but I'll let Mr. Howard B. Abel of Pipersville, Pennsylvania tell you about that. You right? Whenever I get a common sick headache, I always take bromosulfur. Because I found out many years ago that there's just nothing better. Recently, I won my wife over to bromosulfur, too. One day, she had a common sick headache, and the preparation she usually took just didn't seem to help her. I persuaded her to let me fix her a bromosulfur. Well, she was delighted at how quickly she got released. You can be sure there's always a bottle of Bromo Seltzer
6: in our home. Ah, millions of folks feel just as you do, Mr. Abel. Which reminds me, you old users of Bromo Seltzer will want to get in on this wonderful special, too, but you must hurry. This offer is strictly limited, both as to time and quantity. So tomorrow, go to your druggist. Ask him for the regular, large, 60 cents size bottle of Bromo Seltzer. But pay him only 39 cents. Better still get two bottles. One for your desk or locker. One for home use. And now let's join Ellery Queen and Nikki Porter as they visit Inspector Queen at headquarters the morning after the capture of Musso the racketeer. What's up, Dad?
2: Why the hurry call? Oh, I didn't want you, I wanted Nikki. Oh, I see.
12: Me, Inspector? This is so sudden. Would you act as my stenographer this morning, Nikki? My own man's homesick, and this is very confidential. Moose case?
16: Give me a pad and a couple of pencils, Inspector, and I'll be silent, Susan herself.
2: Dad, don't tell me you've finally tied the moose up to the bankruptcy racket. I sure have.
16: What on earth is the bankruptcy racket, Ellery?
2: A cute little dodge to defraud unlucky business people. Uh A firm goes into bankruptcy. A crooked judge appoints some politician as receiver. A crooked appraiser undervalues the property magnificently. It goes for a song. And everyone involved in the racket, except the bankrupt and his creditors, Makes a heap of crooked money.
12: We've known about this ring for a long time, Nicky. Judge Lampson appoints the receiver, Phil Bourne. Boyne's a slick politician. A little lisping jerk by the name of Paul Ernie. He's a crooked appraiser. And a woman lawyer, Fanny Wicker, handles the legal end. All on the moose's payroll. But we've never been able to prove it.
16: I see.
17: We'll make right, comes greedy
12: now The singing rat. Come in. The rat took us
17: Right this way, brother rat.
12: Inspector. Mushles out on fail. Keep your shirt on, Rat. couldn't keep him in a cell indefinitely at this early stage. But he knows I was made a try, I tell you. He'll get me. My... He'll get nobody. Really show those four good citizens into my office.
17: Yes, sir. I've been waiting for this a long, long time. In there, folks. God, Wicker.
12: France, get over there near the window and lie low. Right. Yeah, okay. Ah, Judge Ramson. Come in, Miss Wicker. Mr. the Mr. Arnie. Lady, shut that door and see we're not interrupted.
17: Oh, yes, sir.
12: Inspector Green, uh-huh. what's the meaning of this high-handed procedure? Hailing a member of the bench to your office like a felon. I'll explain in a moment, Your Honor. Miss Wicker, I believe we had the pleasure yesterday when you showed up in court with $50,000 for Musso's bail.
16: Come on, Inspector, what have you got? You didn't ask me to your office today to admire my new shade of lipstick. Mmm, what a horsey woman,
9: Helen. Quiet, Nicky. No.
12: And Phil Boyne. Yeah.
9: Don't see you down here very often.
12: Well, I always say stay away from wine and women and police headquarters if you want to keep out of trouble, eh, Inspector? <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> Mr. Ernie. Man, is something wrong? You look sick. Can you praise the racket good, Ernie? No complaint, Inspector. In fact, today is my busy day. May be a lot busier before sundown, Mr. Ernie. Now last night I arrested much of the racketeer. In his vest pocket I found a case full of cigarettes. Cigarettes? Cigarettes? Yes, mm. cigarettes. The moose spoke a special brand. It bears monogram and gold leaf. Very swanky. The moose head. One of the monogram cigarettes in the moose's case. In fact, this one on my desk here. Yes, yes, Judge. Here. Here? Yes, sir. That's it. That one's a very special cigarette. Not like the others in Moose's case.
16: Looks like one of Moose's regular cigarettes to me.
12: Does it, Chancellor? Ellery, hand me that cigarette. Here you are, Dan. What is this, Mr. Barnum? <laughs> Greatest joy in that son. Now this cigarette looks like an ordinary motto cigarette, but it isn't. It ends up plugged with little rods of tobacco, which are removable. See? In other words, it's hollow. It contains something.
16: I wonder what it can be. Well, where Ellery What's that piece of paper tightly rolled
9: up? A document of some sort, Nikki.
16: This document,
12: Musso's handwriting, is a payroll report. What? Quote, paid to Judge Eustace F. Lampton $19,000 for appointing Phil Boyne receiver in bankruptcy. Well, I see here. And it's got your signature, Judge Lampton. It is. It's an attempt to blacken my good name. I don't even know, Musso. Inspector i seen the judge go up to the mercy department only last week.
2: So that's why this notorious thief and police informer is in your office, Inspector. It,
12: it was the rat. He's the one who sang. Inspector, let's talk this over. I've got some influence, you know. Have you, Boyne? You're going to need it. Let's cut the salami. What else have you got, Inspector Queen? Your signature and receipt, Miss Wicker. they Boyne's and Ernie's. That's no, enough. Let's see that's right oh, no, Judge. You'd like to get your hands on this little piece of paper, wouldn't you? Hmm. It keeping this counselor? Mr. Ernie? Mr. Barnes? Yeah. We've we'll just removed temptation. Roll the paper up again. Tuck it back into this hollow cigarette. Like this. Put back the false tobacco plugs and You've got the evidence all ready for the district attorney. Well, I don't understand. Do well, I've, I've been, been in politics a long time, I, Inspector, and I've seen a lot of wise cops come and go. Prove it. Take us into court. What do you intend to do, Inspector? I want Musso. The air will go easy on any one of you who gives evidence to break Musso's power and put him out of circulation. It's up to you four. Oh, oh, I I'm not going. Hey. What's oh, the, the, the matter with the singing rat? He's backing away from the window. Hey, huh? what's the matter? Guy in that building across the street, aiming a rifle at me. Throw the window, he's gonna shoot! Hey, Boyne, save me! Don't grab me, you rat! <coughs> ow, ow, ow. oh! Bailey, oh, really, that building opposite, man with a rifle. Where? Bailey, grab that sniper. Who
16: got him? Mister Boyne, Sergeant. He's hurt. Let me through here, please. Phil, Phil Boyne. I couldn't help it. I see the rifle, I duck. I grabbed Boyne, so he got not set him me. Right. It must have been the mood he's trying to kill me
12: for. spoil. murder attempt in my office. Boyne. Boy, where were you I hit? I don't
16: know. I call a ambulance. Will you call a doctor? I'm right, shot up. I see. I see, Boyne.
12: Where does it hurt? Here's the bullet oh,
17: hole in his coat, Sergeant, oh, But I you don't see. Die. I
16: tell you bullet it it badly, Ellen.
17: Can't find the oh, wound, Mickey. Not a
12: sign of blood. I stop crying, Boyne. What are you crying for? Plain funk there. Nervous shock. Listen, Boyne. They're all right. You're not hurt. Not even a stretch. Thank goodness. But the
17: bullet went right through his coat, Mark. <laughs> through his coat, Sergeant. Threw this cigarette case in his
2: breast pocket and smack up against this steel vest he's wearing.
17: Oh.
16: What? A steel vest. Oh. Yes,
2: Dad. See, here's the vest and here's the flattened slug. All he got was a chest bruise.
17: Now get up, boy. Stop acting like a baby.
16: Ooh, I'm shaking like a custard pudding.
17: <laughs> Look at the rat, Miss Porter. If he was milk, he'd be butter. Give
16: me a
12: butt, somebody. Give me a
17: butt, will you? Huh? Here you are, Mister Rat.
16: Me too, Queen. Thanks. I can use one.
17: I guess we all can, Counselor.
16: Mr. Boyne? No, no, I don't want any. I'll
17: have right, one of those cigarettes with you, please. Of course, Judge. Mr. Earning? Uh,
12: Thanks. Dan? Mickey? But, yes. Yeah. Thanks. thanks. Thanks, son. Now, let's get back to cases. Are you good citizens going to testify against Mosso, or aren't you? Miss Wicker.
16: I can't think straight now, Inspector. Give us a little time.
17: Time, Counselor.
12: Sir, I can give you my answer now. Sure, Don't be hasty. But... Talk this over. Okay. I'll give you people just two days to make up your mind. No longer. All right, Billy. Let him go.
17: This way out, your Honor. Come on, come on. All oh, right. Uh... Billy, any report on that building across the street? Well, look, Inspector, by the time the boys got there, the guy that fired the rifle had taken a powder.
12: No, I'll never hear the end of this. Dad, the singing rust. He's gone. Huh? Billy, where'd the rat go?
17: I don't know, Inspector. I didn't
12: see him. I guess Brother Rat decides police headquarters isn't as safe as he's picking him. Fool, now, Mussel, get him sure. Billy, send out an alarm. Bring the rat in. All right, Inspector.
2: Dan, I advise you to be very careful about this evidence on your desk. Put this fake cigarette in a safe place. Don't worry, son.
12: I'm putting the moose's monogram butt with that payroll report inside in the thickest at headquarters. You
2: better do it now, Dan. There are five desperate people. Judge Lampson, Attorney Wicker, Appraiser Ernie... Politician Boyne and Musso himself, who'll stop at nothing to get their hands on it.
16: Seems to me we practically live at police headquarters these days, Ellery i the take Hayden for this visit to the inspector's office.
2: Don't you remember, Nikki? The deadline Dad gave Musso's four distinguished co-workers is up this afternoon.
16: Well, why should that make you look droopy? This isn't your case. Anyway, even if it were, there's no mystery about it. I
2: know, I know. It's just the same, Nikki. there's something wrong. It's been bothering me for days. Can't put my finger on it.
16: You and your imagination. Here's the inspector's office. This isn't really there, we Well, find him, Blaster. Oh, hey, Nicky. Anything new on the moose case, Inspector? Have
12: you heard from Judge Lanson yet, or the others, Dad? they to hear any minute now. They only me agree to testify against that slippery mobster. Yes?
17: Annie Wicker's here, Inspector.
12: What's his mouthpiece? Send the counselor in. Something tells me this is good news. Ah, Miss Wicker. Well, has that smart legal brain of yours looked over all the angles of the corner you people are in? You win, Inspector. Ah... We'll cooperate with the DA, get what evidence we can against Murdo, provided we're protected, and the DA makes the deal.
16: That's very smart. Look That's at the right. inspector's face, Ellery. He looks positively blissful. You know, something wrong, Mickey. Something wrong. Oh,
12: yeah. As you see that way, Miss Wicker. You're here as spokesman for the whole group. All except Judge Lanson. His Honor is going to fight Inspector. That's the worst decision His Honor ever made. Right there. So the moose is going down with the count at last. Not on bail, is he? Not for long. Excuse me. Yes? Inspector, Bailey. Bailey. I've been combing the city for you. Where are you?
17: Central Park. Listen.
12: Central, Central Park. What are you doing in Central Park? Sharing nuts with the squirrel? Now, listen, Inspector. It's about the moose. The moose? What's about the moose? A park cop.
16: What, Nicky? Ellery Queen, what's the matter with you? Uh,
17: nothing, Nicky, nothing. It's just that I can't get it out of my mind.
16: Get what out of your mind? Oh, your imagination again. Meanwhile, that racketeer is lying here in the park murdered.
17: Yes. Oh, Dad. Well? You've
12: got it in the brain, Ellery. He have rounded up his gang with their deaf, dumb, and blind.
16: What was Musso doing in Central Park, I wonder?
2: Obviously, Nicky, he had an appointment with his murderer. You see here? Bodies lying behind a bush in this clump of trees, and no signs of its being dragged. They were arguing here. Oh, Sergeant, did you find the gun?
17: Yeah, Maestro. It's the moose's own rod. One chamber's empty. They struggled over Moose's gun, Ellery, and the other gentleman won.
16: He's no gentleman.
17: Dad, how long has the moose been lying here dead? Doc Patty says he was bumped off sometime today. He didn't die right away, so Doc says there's no telling exactly how long he lingered. it
12: would have been murdered any time this
2: morning or early afternoon. Grat it.
12: Let's check antibodies.
2: Dad, look at this. What, son? I just found it out of the body. This hollow cigarette with the
17: moose monogram on it. A hollow one? Like the one we got at headquarters?
16: Isn't there anything in it, Ellen?
2: No, it's empty. Dad, are you sure the cigarette with the document is safe at Center Street? This looks like the identical casing. You can't be, Ellery. I locked the evidence up myself. Just the same, Dad. Let's go back to headquarters and check up. Hurry, Dad. No, hurry.
16: I suppose you could have had
2: two. Yeah.
12: Didn't I tell you, Ellery? Here's the Moose's dummy cigarette just as I left it in the safe. Let's see it, Dad. Dad, this isn't a dummy. It's a real cigarette?
2: Tobacco. Clear through. My evidence.
12: But I locked the dummy monogram cigarette in my safe two days ago,
2: son. You only thought it was the dummy, Dad. The switch must have been made before you locked this cigarette in your safe. One of those crooks substituted a real moose cigarette for the hollow one in your office two days ago, Inspector. Exactly, Dad. After showing the documents to those people in your office... You replaced it in a hollow dummy and put the dummy on your desk, remember? Oh, yes.
16: They all kept wandering around the office. Yes.
12: Would have taken only a second to make the switch of cigarettes. Say, hey,
2: I know when the switch was made. When the rat screamed that somebody was going to shoot him. Right, Dad. And one of them came prepared to make the exchange. But which one? They all had cigarettes with them, Sergeant. The judge smoked incessantly. So did Miss Wicker, Mr. Ernie. We know Boyne had cigarettes. His cigarette case was pierced by that rifle bullet. Uh, any of them could have made the switch two days ago.
16: But, but how did the stolen one get under Musso's body in Central Park, Helen?
2: The thief must have brought it with him today to his appointment with his victim. Sure. Oh. when well, I don't understand why he knocked the moose off, my child. It's not hard to reconstruct, Sergeant. The thief, in possession of the vital evidence, wanted money from Musso. Money in return for not handing that evidence back to the police.
16: Probably intended to milk them all dry, one after the other, and start with the racketeer.
2: Yeah,
17: and
12: then figured he'd destroy the
17: evidence.
16: All right. So whoever stole that dummy
12: cigarette in my office the other day is the killer of Musso. But who?
2: Looks like a tough one to me, Ellery. Tough? I don't think so, Dad.
16: Now, Ellery, don't tell me you know... We... Yes,
2: Nikki. I know who stole the dummy cigarette and murdered the Moose. <laughs> gentlemen, you have the mystery, and I hope a solution as well. Nikki, will you be good enough to introduce our guest armchair detectives for this evening?
16: Well, Ellery, our first guest tonight is Ann Corio, glamorous stage and screen star who is currently making a record-breaking tour of oldsville theaters from coast to coast. Miss Corio returns to Hollywood soon for her next film, The Girl. Our second <coughs> guest is Elsa D. McKelvey prominent Eastern manufacturer and amateur radio detective. You know, Ellery, Mr. McKelvey's hobby is beating fictional radio detectives to the solution. So you'd better watch out.
2: <laughs> All right, Ellery. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. Miss Coriol, who is the criminal?
16: Well, I, um, it's rather difficult, but I think the rat, uh, stole the cigarette. That he is the living in terror of Musso, and, uh, he did it to bribe him.
17: Have you any clues?
2: Uh,
16: no, except that uh, when the gun was shot off, he seemed to know just what was happening, and he uh, made quite sure that the bullet hit uh, Byrne and not himself. And I think that was all set up so that he could uh, switch the cigarette.
2: Thank you, Miss Corio. Mister McKelvey, who do you think is the criminal?
12: Well, I've missed some easier guesses than this, so I'll probably miss
10: this.
12: (laughs) But uh, I guess that Phil Barnes did it because of the fact that he showed up uh, in the uh, office opposite the uh, sharpshooter with a vest on so that if there was any poor shooting, he was one fellow that wasn't going to be hit. He also happened to have a cigarette case in his pocket, so he could have been the man to make the exchange in the park. And uh, being a politician, he probably knew his way out. In the final analysis.
2: Right. Well, thank you, Miss Coriol, Mr. M- McAlvey. You'll know in just a moment how successful you were as armchair detectives. But first, here's Ernest Chapel, a very reasonable
6: man indeed. Certainly I'm reasonable, Ellery. For instance, when I tell you folks to get two bottles of bromo seltzer, one to keep at home, the other where you work, I have two mighty good reasons. Firstly, you never know when a common sick headache will affect you, but you can depend on bromo seltzer to help you feel better fast. For Bromo Seltzer fights headache three ways. acts on head, nerves, and stomach. You get effective relief. Quickly feel more like your old self again. Reason number two for buying two bottles. Right now, there's a wonderful special on Bromo Seltzer. The regular large 60 cents size bottle for only 39 cents. Now, that means you save 20% or more. But remember, this offer is strictly limited, both to time and quantity. So act at once.
17: You, Where's Ellison? Was it Judge Lanson? Or that mouthpiece and skirt, Fanny Wicker?
16: That lifting little appraiser,
17: Ernie? No. Them. The thief of the evidence, and therefore the killer of Musso, was Phil Boyne. Boyne?
16: That politician?
17: The one that got hit by the rifle
2: bullet by mistake?
16: What, the... How do you know it was Boyne elevated?
2: The clue in this case is psychological, but it's as incontestable as a fingerprint. Consider the situation in your office, Dad, two days ago. Musso, or one of his henchmen, in trying to kill a singing rat, fired a shot that struck Phil Boyne by a mistake. How did Boyne react? Well, like an old lady. Got her start. Yes. Boyne was so shocked by his narrow escape from death, so unnerved, that he blubbered like a scared child. Yet when, at the height of excitement, I offered him a cigarette, he refused it. That's right. He didn't. The judge, the rat, Counselor Wicker, Ernie, even you, Dad, and Nicky, were all so shaken by the murderous attack that you gratefully accepted a cigarette to soothe your nerves. Yet Boyne, the man most immediately involved, the man who had actually been struck by the bullet, although unhurt, the man who threw a fit of hysterics, Boyne refused to smoke. Conclusion? Phil Boyne is not a smoking man. Phil Boyne doesn't smoke at all. If he were a smoker, even a light smoker, he would have grabbed at a cigarette in his condition.
16: But, Ellery, if Boyne isn't a smoker, why does he carry a cigarette case around with him? He did that day. You said yourself it was pierced by the rifle bullet.
2: Yes, Nikki. Why did Boyne, a non-smoker, carry a cigarette case? Since it wasn't because he smoked then that case and the cigarettes in it must have served an entirely different purpose. I see it now, sir. Yes, Dad. We know one of Musso's specially monogrammed cigarettes was substituted for the hollow one with the evidence in it. Therefore, the thief must have come to your office with a cigarette he'd stolen from Musso in advance. In other words, the thief came prepared to make a switch of cigarettes if the opportunity arose. And which of the four suspects did come prepared? Obviously, the man who carried a cigarette case but didn't smoke. Dad, if you'll nab Phil Boyne right away, there's a good chance he still has that document with its precious
6: evidence on him.
2: And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to the mystery... I want to thank Miss Ann Corio and Mr. Alfred McKelvey for appearing as guest armchair detectives this evening. And we have for both Miss Corio and Mr. McKelvey a personal gift from Bromo Seltzer. Also, an autographed copy of my latest mystery anthology, Sporting Blood, and a subscription to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. Ellery, I'm a man who comes to the point. Chaffee, so am I. (laughs) I know what that point you're
6: going to make, and my answer is you'll have to wait a minute to hear what next week's story is about. Well, it so happens that I can fill that minute with some mighty important information. You can take it straight from our educated Bromo Seltzer train, friends. The time to try Bromo Seltzer is right now. Listen. (laughs) Buy Bromo Seltzer now and you'll save money. Twenty percent or more. For right now, your druggist is offering the large 60 cent size bottle of bromo Seltzer for only 39 cents. This offer is good for a limited time only, so act at once. Remember, bromo Seltzer fights headache three ways. These three ways: quick relief from headache pain, fast help for jumpy nerves, quick help for upset stomachs. So don't be satisfied with anything that does less for you than bromo seltzer. Use it only as directed on the label. For frequent or persistent headaches, see your doctor. For quick, effective relief from common sick headaches, get tried and true bromo seltzer. And be sure to ask for the large 60 cents size bottle now selling at the special low price of only 39 cents. Save money. All right, Sherlock Holmes. Come on, what's on tap for next week? Funny you should call me that, Chabby. Uh, How so? (laughs) Well, because next week I'm going to tell about a
2: case I had which will remind you of one that baffled the great Sherlock himself.
6: It's about a man who goes into his house for an umbrella and disappears. I call my case The Adventure of Mr. Short and Mr. Long. Be sure to listen next Thursday at this same time. And don't forget the other great Romo to Show friends, Vox Pop, the show that travels America. Next Monday, Vox Pop travels to Bowling Field in Washington. Vox Johnson and Warren Hull will interview men of our Army Air Force. Consult your local paper for the time and station. <laughs> for The Adventures of Ellery Queen is by Charles Ball.
1: Last but not least, we're going to finish up my Sunday and um, I'm going to throw a few peanuts on there and I'm going to throw some hot fudge sauce. Don't let me burn you, Victor.
10: Uh-huh.
1: And now, we put the strawberry and whipped cream on top. And... It is something I thought y'all might have fun with. I love to listen to the old, old old-time radio commercials. So I picked up a bunch of them um, that I have in my file, and um, Victor smashed them all together and made one program out of them. So, enjoy. Hey, Columbus,
14: we can't turn back without an order from you. I'm not talking while the flavor lasts. What are you chewing? Peach nut gum. We could be in for a long voyage.
12: I love Baco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate flavored
0: Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Basco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love
10: Baco, That's the drink for me.
13: Bromoseltzer, 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 bromoseltzer. Friends, it's so foolish to suffer with an ordinary headache when Bromoseltzer gives you such fast, pleasant, three way relief. It's true, Mr. Bromo Bromoseltzer is so pleasant to take and it works so fast to help your headache all three ways. Yes, Bromoseltzer speedily fights the headache pain itself. Then it goes right to work to soothe the upset stomach and jangled nerves that often may team up with a headache. Try it next time you get a headache. Prove to yourself just how fast it works to help your headache all three ways. we tried a lot of headache products, but it's Bromo Seltzer from now on for our family. You'll say the same thing, too, once you've discovered Bromo Seltzer. So get a bottle today and be prepared at all times to fight a headache fast all three ways. It's hard to keep Bromo Seltzer both at home and at your place of business. That's right, folks. Remember, Bromo Seltzer gives you fast, three way help for a headache. It's on sale at all drugstores. Caution, use only as directed. If headaches recur or persist, see your doctor. Get Bromo Seltzer today and
2: Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Men, beware.
8: Use one dab
2: of
15: Brill Cream. Just a little dab makes your hair look excitingly clean. Disturbingly healthy. This man dared to use two dabs.
9: Now he's in trouble. We refuse to be responsible.
10: Brill Cream, Brill Cream, Brill Cream. Brill,
14: cream, a little babble do ya Brilled cream, you look so never there Brill, cream, the gals will all to ya They'll love to get their fingers in your hair. What Weiser commercial featuring the Kruka?
13: Where there's light, there's light, at a concert or a show, in your own backyard, wherever you go, but like it's for folks know it's life. There's much, much
14: Why are camels by far America's most popular cigarette? Two of the reasons are flavor and
2: mildness. No other cigarette has camels' rich, full flavor. And. No other cigarette offers this proof of mildness. In a coast-to-coast test of hundreds of people with normal throats, noted throat specialists reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking Camel. Try Camel's yourself.
14: Then you'll know why Camel leads all other brands by billions of cigarettes per year. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? That question was asked a few years ago of 113,597
2: doctors. The brand name most was Camel. Recently, that question was again asked of tens of thousands of doctors across the country. Doctors in all branches of medicine. And again, the brand named most was Camel.
15: Yes, according to these nationwide surveys,
2: more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Friends, smoke the cigarette so many doctors enjoy. Change to Camels for 30 days and see how mild, how flavorful, how enjoyable a cigarette can be. Yes, change to Camels for 30 days and you'll stay with Camels from then on.
13: How mild, how mild, how mild, how mile can a cigarette be? Make the Camels 30 day test and you'll see.
14: To find out how well camels agree with the throats of smokers, this far-reaching test was made. Hundreds of people from coast to coast, people with normal throats, smoked only camels for 30 days. Each week, leading throat specialists examined the throats of these smokers. They made 2,470 examinations
2: and reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Try camels for 30 days and see how mild, how
8: flavorful, how enjoyable a cigarette can be.
13: How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild,
2: can a cigarette be? be. be. More camels Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of camels have sent more than 198 million gift camels to our armed forces. This week, gift camels go to hospitalized servicemen and veterans at Veterans Hospitals, Framingham, Massachusetts, and Durban, Michigan. U.S. Naval Hospital, San Diego, California.
14: And to all hospitals operated for the U.S. Air Forces in the Far East. Now until next week, enjoy camels. I always do. Waiter! Waiter! Phil, did you have see such poor
13: service? I'm going to call the manager. Take it easy, Walt. What's mostly wrong is your grout. I'm sorry, Phil, but my digestion is so upset. What you may need for your poor digestion is something that works after nature's own order. Try Carter's Little Liver Pills. Good advice. When your digestion is upset and you feel headachy and irritable, take Carter's Little Liver Pills. You see, each day nature normally produces about two pints of a vital digestive juice to help digest your food. If nature fails, your food may remain undigested, leaving you headachy and irritable. To feel cheerful and happy again, take Carter's Little Liver Pills. They increase the flow of this vital digestive juice quickly, often in as little as 30 minutes. And you're on the road to feeling better. Don't depend on artificial aids to counteract indigestion when Carter's Little Liver Pills aid digestion after nature's own order. Take Carter's Little Liver Pills as directed. Get them at any drugstore. Only 25 cents.
12: A, B, C. Always buy Chesterfield the milder cigarette. And Chesterfield leaves a clean, fresh taste in your mouth. A, hey.
13: always milder. B, hey. better tasting. C hey. smoking.
12: Hey. A, B, C. Always buy Chesterfield they satisfied.
13: Hey. Hey. Arthur Godfrey time. Yes, it's Arthur Godfrey yes. and all the Little Godfrey. Jeanette Davis, the Mariners, and Archie Blyer and his orchestra. Snow Snow While a chester
2: Chevrolet showroom across America, more and more people are looking at the car that's just out and just wonderful, the 1957 Chevrolet. Some are looking at Chevrolet's daring new front-end dialing, the bold new grille, big beautiful sloping hood. Some are looking at Chevy's handsome new rear end with high-fashion fenders and fresh new design. Everyone's enthused about the new color-fashioned interiors and the sleek command post instrument panel. And the biggest of all, Chevrolet's fuel injection, the greatest engine advance.
10: Hello,
3: amigo. I'm Chiquita Banana and I've come to say bananas have to ripen in a certain way and when they're flecked with brown and have a golden hue bananas taste the best and are the best for you you can put them in a salad you can put them in a pie any way you want to eat them it's impossible to beat them but bananas like the climate of the very very tropical equator so you should never forget Bananas in the refrigerator. To have bananas that are fully ripe, you must be absolutely sure. To
10: take them
14: home and let them rip it. Oh, sure, sure,
10: sure.
14: Men, no shaving proposition beats this. Listen, there's one butt cash, says Colgate Brushless, wins you in a flash. Yes, one buck cash says this is it for the clean, smooth, comfortable shades you've always wanted. And here's why. Because it's light and fine textured, Colgate Brushless completely surrounds, softens, and supports each bristle better than greasy, heavy creams. There's no matting down. There is no clogging. Your razor doesn't skid or skip when you use Colgate Brushless. Instead, it cuts through clean and smooth. Try Colgate Brushless. See how it does away with razor scrape and soreness. Discover how slick and smooth and downright comfortable it makes your shave. Get a large or giant sized tube or jar of Colgate Brushless Shaving Cream. If one week's use doesn't win you completely, just send me back the carton top and we'll mail you your dollar. Address Bill Stern, Kara Colgate, Jersey City, Zone 2, New Jersey. Remember, there's one buck cash says Colgate Brushless wins you in a flash. Real fine. Did a headache spoil the day for you? Are you still feeling a little miserable and upset? Well, of course, it would have been wise to take
15: Alka-Seltzer at work earlier in the day. But don't wait now. Take it right away. And next time, remember that Alka-Seltzer is first aid for relief from headaches.
2: Alka-Seltzer
15: is easy to take. Pleasant tasting, too. Here's all you do. Dissolve one or two Alka-Seltzer tablets in a glass of water, then drink it. Since Alka-Seltzer is a solution when you take it, the pain-relieving analgesic sodium acetyl salicylate is ready to go right to work. And say, that fizz that creates thousands of sparkling bubbles gives feed to Alka-Seltzer's relief-giving qualities. Yes, it gets there fast to give fast relief. So remember, first aid for relief from headache is Alka-Seltzer. Uh, I know you're going to be mighty busy during the next five days, friends, and I also know that uh, you don't want to wake up Christmas morning with a cold. But have you noticed old man cold is really making the rounds? Let's hope he doesn't catch up with you. However, if you should feel a cold coming on, remember Alka-Seltzer. Yes, remember and try Alka-Seltzer for fast relief from much of your cold distress. Here's the ABC cold comfort treatment. A, Alka-Seltzer. B, be wise. Beware of drafts, be careful of your diet, and be sure you dress sensibly and try to get more rest than usual. And C stands for comfort. The comfort an Alka-Seltzer gargle can give a sore throat caused by a cold. Well, there it is, friends. Alka-Seltzer's ABC cold comfort treatment. As easy as ABC to follow and really effective. Just try it and see for yourself. Remember, when you begin to sniffle and sneeze, start Alka-Seltzer's ABCs. Get Alka-Seltzer at any drugstore and say better buy that extra package, too. That's the wisest thing to do.
1: You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, but you're aching head and stomach here this message from old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Ah, those speedy Alka-Seltzer bubbles burst into action to relieve your upset stomach and aching head fast. It was only as directed. Oh, what a relief. What a relief!
3: Look, Ramco Coney Island Penny Machine! What a prize! Let's go in.
16: Look at the wonderful prizes you can win! I'm going to want to watch for you.
3: A penny in the slot, and look at the prizes go round and round. Racers, ripples, harmonica! This one removes the bucket from side to side. This one removes the bucket up and down. Here goes. You've almost got the watch. You've got it. Down the chute down it comes. You just made it. The timer says finish. Kids, this is a toy you've got to have. Remco's Coney Island Penny Machine. Only $12.98 at your favorite toy store. It comes complete with a giant bag of wonderful toy prizes. Remember, every boy wants a Remco toy. And so do girls.
15: Constipation can be a problem for anyone, even doctors. And when constipation occurs, it's interesting to see just what doctors consider important about a laxative they might use or recommend. Well, a majority of the doctors we heard from
8: had this to say. A laxative should be effective, gentle, close to natural acting. A medicine that can be used with complete confidence. Now,
9: X-Lax has been popular with many doctors and millions of people over the years because chocolate X-Lax is effective. Overnight, it helps you toward your normal regularity. X-Lax is so gentle, so close to natural acting, there's no upset. That's why many doctors and millions of people use X-Lax with complete confidence. X-Lax, the laxative that helps you toward your normal regularity, gently, Overnight.
2: I'd like to say something to the ladies. You know that one of the rules of modern life is perfect cleanliness. For instance, women years ago would be horrified at the thought of washing their hair every day as many of our Hollywood stars do. But then they didn't have Fitch's saponified coconut oil shampoo in those days. If they had, I wager they would have used it frequently. For Fitch's saponified shampoo always leaves the hair lustrous and easy to set. Made from pure vegetable and mild coconut oils, it won't dry the hair or make it harsh feeling. It cleanses thoroughly, too, for it makes loads of fluffy lather even in hard water. This lather whisks away every bit of dust and dirt, leaves your hair fragrant and sparkling clean. Ask for a professional application of Fitch's saponified coconut oil shampoo at your beauty or barber shop, or buy an economical bottle at your drug or toilet goods counter. Look for the bottle with the bright yellow label. But now here's Jim Doyle, the man from the Fitch Company, who wants to say something about one of his favorite subjects. That's right, Dick. Fitch's No Brush Shaving Cream is a favorite subject with me because men are always so pleased with it after they've tried it. Fitch's No Brush combines three different shaving ingredients into one easy-to-use cream. One of the ingredients, a special skin conditioner, helps prepare even a tender, sensitive face for a solid comfort shave. Fitch's No Brush also has a creamy, non-greasy texture. It helps the razor do the job in a hurry, even if your beard is tough. When you've finished your shave, your face feels cool and refreshed and smooth as can be. For men who prefer lather, there's Fitch's Brush Cream. It gives lots of rich, dense lather that stays moist all during the shave. Rinses off easily, too, leaving your face feeling smooth and pleasantly cool. Join the thousands who have found shaving pleasure through their switch to Fitch. Both Fitch's brush and Fitch's no-brush shaving creams contain the special skin conditioner for sensitive faces, and both come in handy 25 and 50-cent sizes. Remember, if dandruff is your problem, ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. It's the only shampoo made whose guarantee to remove dandruff is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. No other shampoo can make this statement. Ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo at your drug or toilet goods counter, beauty, or barber shop.
8: Fitch is spelled F I T C H.
13: Shadow. Use Gem
2: Blades. Use Gem Blades.
11: Once upon a time
17: there was an engineer.
2: Choo-choo Charlie was his name we hear. He had an engine and he sure had fun. He used good and plenty candy to make his train run.
10: Charlie! Well, well. jell Palpado.
4: Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's jell Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding.
6: Yum, yum, yum.
10: Jell-O tap. The Oka pudding jesteries.
6: Friends,
2: it's certainly true that when you smoke, you want smoothness, mildness, and deep down enjoyment. And that's precisely what you'll get with every lucky strike you light, because there's never a rough puff in a lucky. Just think of that, friends. Luckies are always smooth, mild, and mellow, every puff of the way. For you see, it takes fine tobacco to make a fine cigarette. And LSMFT, Lucky Strike, means fine tobacco. Now, fine tobacco costs more, and luckies pay more. That's right. Luckies pay millions of dollars more than official parity prices to get ripe, mellow tobacco for your lucky strike. Just listen for a moment to what the tobacco experts say about the kind of leaf lucky strike buys. Take Mr. L. Garland Griffin, a tobacco auctioneer from Clarksville, Virginia, who recently said, All in all, I've sold over a 100 million pounder tobacco. And season after season, I've seen Lucky strike by fine tobacco. Prime, ripe leaf. The kind of tobacco for downright good smoking. I've smoked Lucky's regularly for 14 years. Now there's a tip for your friends from a man who really knows tobacco. So for your own deep down smoking enjoyment, light up a Lucky. You'll agree with the tobacco experts, with the millions who choose Luckies for
15: a finer, milder, smoother smoke. Yes, puff after puff, pack after pack. There's never a rough pup and a lucky. Good reason to make your next carton lucky...
8: Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only luster cream brings you Kay Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream Girl. You owe your crowning glory to a Luster Cream Shampoo. Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr.
1: Clean will clean your whole house and everything.
15: Floors, doors, walls, halls, white sidewall tires and old golf balls.
1: Sinks, stoves, bathtubs he'll do. He'll even help clean laundry too.
8: Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime
1: and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in
2: it. Can he clean a kitchen sink?
1: <laughs> Quicker than a
2: can he clean a window sash?
1: Faster than a flash.
2: Can he clean a dirty mirror?
1: He'll make it bright and clear.
2: Can he clean a diamond ring?
1: Mr. Clean cleans anything.
2: Mr. Mr. Clean, clean gets rid of
1: dirt and grime and, and grease in, in just a
4: minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. May I? Be
10: sociable. Lock smart. Keep up to date with Pepsi. Drink light, refreshing Pepsi. Stay up and fair and get Be sociable. Have a Pepsi.
14: But singing doesn't say,
15: pick up an extra carton of Pepsi today. Better yet, get a case.
8: You do that.
1: Well, guys and dolls, it's time for me to sign off for today. And um I hate it because I enjoy doing this. I believe I could do it all day. <laughs> um, you know, who cares how bad it ties up Victor? We don't. We love tying him up anyway. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh I need to stop saying anyway, but <laughs> I get tickled so I gotta say something. Uh but to um, hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'll leave us comments on wherever you get your podcasts. And I wanna remind you that now you can find each show in its own podcast now. And if you have a a comment to make to me because I'd like to hear what you like what you don't like and um, any suggestions you might have uh, you can write to me at afternoon radio theater Sunday at gmail.com I had to think about that a minute and um, I guess you can still write to Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway if you want to But um, I'd love it if you wrote to me directly because that's how you get a hold of me And um, if you listen on Twitter, it's at BlindWhose, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E Um, On Facebook, it's Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Oh, oh, I keep wanting to say at something (laughs) because of email and because of Twitter. And uh, the same on YouTube, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? So I think I'm about covered everything, and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.
0: Bye-bye, everybody.